Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. In order to support this show and keep providing you tons of free content week after week, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash she and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better so that we can bring on advertisers that you won't want to skip through. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. But again, that's P-O-D com slash she. Thanks for your help. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. All right, y'all. So today on the show, I have a super special guest for you. I'm so excited to introduce you to my mama. She is one of my best friends and has been such a guide in my life in so many different ways. But today she's got something kind of fun planned, and I'm really excited to hear her insight because she's given me so many tips and so much insight into the art of hospitality, the art of hosting people in a way that isn't stiff, in a way that doesn't totally stress me out. And I thought, what better person to speak into this area of our lives as women and give us some really practical tips. Mom is like the queen of fun and practical. So welcome to the show, Mom. It's so fun to have you. (laughs) Thanks, honey. It's really fun to be here. Yeah. Can you just tell the listeners a little bit about you and why you love people and hosting? And I know that can be something that's stressful for some of us. So what has made it like, why do you love it? Well, I think it started with my mom because she, um, she has a Latin background. And if you're around Latin people, you just know that they love to be together. They love to enjoy each other's company. There was always laughter and music. And um, when we host, when my mom would host something, there was just this huge smile on her face. And people were laughing, and it just always made me feel so happy. And so I just feel like that's when I host. That's when I. That's how I want people to come in my home, and mm-hmm. I want them to feel blessed by that time together. And I want them to go home feeling just a little bit lighter, you know, yeah. like um, and just happier. Yeah, and I think you knocked that out of the park. And today we're going to be talking about hosting holidays when you have your first home or it's something that you don't do very often, or if it's a newer thing for you, you know, this is something that you really helped me with last year. The first time Matt and I were hosting Christmas at our house, I thought my hair was going to fall out. I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) what if grandma doesn't like my food? And what if this falls, you know, and that doesn't, what if no one like has fun, you know, and you really helped make it so simple for me and gave me just a few steps to break down the process of preparing some food and make it less stressful and think of some activities. And you kind of are really good at keeping those things flowing. And so as we talk about, you know, just some practical tips on hosting holidays, whether it's with in-laws or with grandparents or with extended family or even friends, that I know can be so daunting. And I'm sure that you probably felt that way in the beginning. I remember some funny stories that I can't wait for everybody to hear. Um, But before (laughs) that, would you mind, you said something really, really good recently. 
And you had mentioned something about establishing kind of the underlying purpose or reason beneath like kind of your mindset going into hosting. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. Um, You know, I always, I didn't always do this at the beginning because I used to get a little bit caught up in the idea of decorations and, you know, all the right presentation. (laughs) Yes, like exactly. And so I realized that really this is like whatever holiday you someone comes to your home for it doesn't even matter what it is you have to think of it like kind of like a celebration and what you're really doing is you're striving for connections with people and intentional actions that kind of lift everybody's hearts Mm. Um, people are busy and they have such crazy hectic lives and so sometimes you know a holiday is a time to kind of reconnect with not only friends and family, but even some of their own internal thoughts that they had just sort of pushed aside or they weren't, you know, paying attention to. Um, it's kind of a chance to renew and refresh. And so I think as a hostess, when you're focused on all the other things, but not necessarily the hearts of the people, that is when it doesn't feel as genuine. It can, you know, people don't necessarily go away feeling as as happy and joyous. So I think the biggest thing is, you know, how do you lift the hearts of the people that are coming to your home. And, and in doing so that lifts your heart too. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's just really more the intentionality of creating an environment, um, with that, that helps bring people together in a way that lifts their hearts. And, you know, you can do that with great conversations. You can do it with music. You can add lights, you know, just taking care of the people that are there, Mm -hmm. um, and listening to, you know, if they, if they look a little bit um, tired, if they look a little bit, you know, you can, you can tell, you can kind of read them and then just really try to do things that bring an atmosphere of, of levity. Hmm. I think that takes so much pressure off too, because we can put so much pressure on ourselves as women to have the best food or have the best presentation oh, yeah. or the cleanest house. <laughs> I know I'm a crazy freak about that. I'm like, don't look at that corner over there, please. Um, it's still in process. <laughs> I'm just shoving everything in the closet right now. And I think the pressure that can come with that robs us of our ability to really be present with people. And that's something that you've really taught me is if you can establish that first, yes, the food is going to matter a little bit, but what people aren't going to remember is what kind of, you know, dish you made, but more of how intentional you were with them Um, and them, you know, feeling like I walked away. I don't even remember what I ate, but my soul is full. (laughs) And I think that's what I've seen and got to learn from you and dad is you guys really do just embrace people with open arms and whether there's chips and queso on the table or there's or you know there's a gourmet meal people walk away feeling lifted and joyful and whole and so I think that even just establishing that as like pure groundwork if your food is horrible it's okay because if you love people well, you've done a great job, you know? <laughs> and that really does the take dog the, will eat it. Yeah, sure the dog the will dog eat it. Will eat it. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> and I really think that takes the pressure off, you know? And yeah, there could be some people that pick certain things. You never know. You know, everyone's got that and or that person that's like, you know, maybe notices details more. But if you can almost go into the evening or the event or the holiday with this mindset of, you know what, even if this totally burns or this doesn't go well, do people walk away with either a funny memory or mm-hmm. feeling loved? Then I win. And then everything's just, like no one loses, you know? And that just almost made me be able to breathe so that all the other steps that we're going to now kind of start talking about aren't so crazy high pressure, you know? 
Exactly, exactly. I think that takes some time to learn sometimes too, because you still do want to have, you still have to cook something, right? Right. And if you look at like, if you go to the grocery checkout and you see all those magazines with all those things, you're like, it seems like that's the focus. Right. Like we're all supposed to be Martha Stewart. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, oh, oh, I got to do this cookie recipe. Oh, I got to do this. this, this." Mm -hmm. And pretty soon that's kind of like, oh, well, that's what I'm exposed to do because that's what society says I'm supposed to do. But actually, like there's no magazines about, hey, is everybody laughing at your table? Is Mm -hmm. everybody connecting? You know, you don't really hear that message as much. So that's kind of why I always have to try to forget about those magazines. I mean, there's great ideas in there. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you have to be thinking about the main reason why everybody's there. Right, right. And then that makes all of that stuff so much better. Okay, well, speaking of the magazines and the food, obviously people have to eat, even if it's imperfect. And so I remember (laughs) the one thing I think that stressed me out most was the timing of preparing everything. So I I think what what this is really coming down to is hosting can sometimes we can put this unnecessary pressure on ourselves. And in the same way, Mm -hmm. you know, I love how you said about really being present with people is one way that that we can kind of take that off. But I think another area that at least I felt pressure the first time that I really did this on a larger scale where the whole family came and it was a big holiday thing to my home, you know, was how do I prepare the food? And how do I do it in such a way that this doesn't become cold and gross while I'm preparing this? And I know the general, you know, for like, if I'm just making meals for Matt and I or something, you know, that's different. But when it's for a larger group and you have to cook in larger quantities and you're preparing and knowing how to prepare helps prevent some of that unnecessary pressure and stress. But there's, I think, a little bit of an art to it. And you've taught me in a lot of ways how you've refined that. So can you just kind of speak into the timing, the importance of kind of planning and preparing and even having a game plan with that without totally stressing yourself out? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, um, I had to learn this the hard way. So <laughs> my mom, you know, in our in, in her home country, there was no mm. Thanksgiving. So I really didn't learn how to make Thanksgiving turkey until I had my own home and I was married. And I remember the first time I offered to do that, I was just, oh my gosh, I was so... Were you, you said you were married. This was early in early marriage, correct? Yes, okay. early in marriage. I did not know. the. Fir- I think it was like, I don't know, first or second year of marriage. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll have the family over to my house. And, no big um, deal. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. And, and right. Exactly. No pressure. So, and they were a family of great cooks. Mm-hmm. So I, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to have it put together. Well, I decided to try a smaller turkey before everybody came. So I had never made a turkey before in my life. That's smart. So working- That's smart. I would have never well- thought of that. <laughs> Trial and error. <laughs> That's smart. Oh my gosh. Well, I messed that one up terribly. Oh. I, did. I was like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. It's hard. My husband's like, oh boy. <laughs> so they were still coming. I couldn't say don't come to my house. So yeah, like, just never mind. My turkey's switch. bad. Grandma's hosting instead. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We're on something else. No. So I, in like in the last, like, last ditch effort, I actually called a catering company and I said, um, I need a caterer turkey and mashed potatoes <laughs> and gravy and everything. And I think other than the dessert and they, I had it, I actually had it catered and I put it in my dishes and they didn't know any different. So <laughs> they know now. Cheating, <laughs> but so good. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, it saved the day. Yeah. And um, I was like, wow, okay, don't try something new the very first day, Mm -hmm. the very first time, if you don't really get, especially if it's a big thing like the turkey. Uh huh. So, um, ask for help. (laughs) Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And so, 
Anyway, it was hilarious. I put them all on my dishes. Everybody's like, this is so good. And you're like, thanks. <laughs> I slaved oh all night. <laughs> I know, I know. So uh, what I learned from that is a couple things. First of all, is that you have to think ahead. You know, don't, uh, again, don't try something new the very first time you serve it to people. Mm -hmm. But also think about timing. What I've learned since then is that the things that take the longest, like a turkey, turkey takes hours. Mm -hmm. That's what you do first. Mm -hmm. And you time your food from longest to shortest amount of time. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the order that you want to do it. So, so turkey goes in first and then anything that's a side dish that would take longer, you know, potatoes, if you're going to do something with potatoes in the oven, that takes a little longer. So look at all the cooking times, like mm -hmm. plan your meal, your menu, and then just sort of look at all the cooking times and say, okay, what? takes longest to shortest. And that's how you time it. Also, how many ovens do you have? If you have one, then you want to make sure you kind of maybe don't do as many cooking items and maybe you'll do some stovetop type of items or you'll ask somebody to bring, you know, another oven type of thing. So, you know, you have to look at not only the timing, but how many cooking methods do you have in your house? Mm. And that kind of helps you to decide and do as much of it ahead of time as you can. And that reminds me of a story. Mm. So one of the things I found out early about myself is that I really don't like, I'm, I, when people come to the house and I'm cooking something, it actually makes me stressed because remember what my number one mindset is, is to be there present for them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, you know, if they're coming in the door and I'm cooking something, I feel like I should drop that and say, would you like something to drink or, you know, and I've done that and then burn things more than one right. occasion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I totally know what you mean where you just forget yeah. about it because then all of a sudden there's I a did. human in front of you and that seems more important. We get talking and oh, sorry, I forgot I had that. So then I realized, and some women do that really well though. I have to say some women can do that and just have that going and people come in and they can continue the conversation. I realize that's not me. So um, in terms of timing, I also realized not only did I want to time it that it was longest to shortest, but it was timed so that when they came in the door, most of it was ready. So that way I could focus. But again, not everybody's like that. Some people would prefer to, you know, have something still kind of going. And, and, and why do you, you know, why do you think that would be? I don't know. Why, why? I don't understand that because it would stress me out to try to do both. <laughs> but what, <laughs> why is it? I don't know. The reason I think is because it kind of creates an environment of, oh, you know, I'm doing something and I can, t you know, we're going to be talking. It's a little bit like it, it, as people come in, they see some activity, they see something going on. And so that's okay. part of the strategy or the, the idea of how do you start with the kind of the two most awkward times when people come in is when they first come in the door or after the meal is done. Hmm. So what, you know, when they're first kind of coming into a group and then when the meal's done now, what do we do? Right. And so that's kind of why I think some people like to have something going in the kitchen because it sort of breaks the ice. Oh, what are you doing? I'm, I'm stirring the gravy or whatever it is. Okay. And then the other time, you know, is, is after, after dinner, oh, I'm going to get up and make some coffee. I'm going to do this and that. So those are the times that I've, I've felt for me, since I don't like to have food going when people come in, I have, that's kind of when I have my little cheats of sort of what I call the little uh, games or entertainment -y kind of things. Hmm. So I feel like that's, I've never actually thought about that, but you just kind of organized a thought for me. So thanks because You're it welcome. really is. <laughs> I think our tendency is to avoid awkward. And the reality is, is when you're with other human beings, 
there's going to mm-hmm. sometimes be awkward, even when they're your own family or extended family. Yeah. Because you're oh, not all doing absolutely. life together all the time. And so sometimes you come together for these holidays, and it's the first time you've seen, you know, Aunt Pam or whatever since last year. And there's a lot right. of missed time that you have to catch up on. But when it's also in a marginal moment where other people are coming in the door or something is happening, you don't really get that time to actually sit down and have a conversation. So what's the bridge? What's the small talk? Or what's the thing to kind of make them feel welcome and not awkward? Because that is true. I think those are two really key times where it's not something is actively happening and there's not really a lot of time in those you know, uh, moments of transition when they're coming in and they're putting their coat away. And then once they've done that, it's like, now what? And they're kind of standing there. So I guess that kind of leads for when things do feel awkward, you know, what do you do after a meal? Or what do you do when, you know, if you are know that you're going to forget about your, you know, potatoes in the oven because you're trying to talk with people, you know, in your kitchen because they've come into your house now and you're trying to figure out, okay, I know I want to have most of the food prepared ahead of time or however, you know, everyone has their own preference. But Mm -hmm. let's like, let's talk about not even just the time when they come in because everyone's going to do that a little bit differently, like you mentioned. Yeah. But okay, Mm -hmm. that time after dinner, that's the other time that's kind of awkward when everyone's sitting around, they've all had their fill. They've all, you know, at some point we're all kind of just what are we doing? Now what? Mm-hmm. How do you transition or what What are your cheats? What do you have in your back pocket? What do we do now? Well, so ahead of time, I think about a couple of things that either I know this, like, you know, the group that's coming. So, mm-hmm. you know, are they, are they outgoing for the most part? Are they a little bit more shy and reserved? Um, is there a mix? You know, mm-hmm. you kind of have to be thinking about what do you think that group would like to do? And, you know, you know, the age groups too, which is another thing. I feel like, yeah, are there are mostly young kids and young families or is it more grandparents? Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, I kind of tend to, um, I try to find some activities, at least one group kind of activity that is something that can kind of bring everybody together. And that, I mean, for our family, you well know, one of our favorites is charades. Um, And we always do that like after the meal, but it is something that Mm -hmm. not everybody loves to do charades because it's, it can be a little embarrassing. So depending on the type of family you have, you want to have a couple of those games. Now I used to try to organize and orchestrate, like have all the games ready. And what I realized is it's better to have a little bit more of an organic feel to it. So if you're going to play charades, you have some paper cut up in some pencils and you let people decide what they want, you know, what they want on those papers. And then you also have to know when to stop playing the game too, because there's a time when it's fun for a while. Then if it keeps dragging on, you don't want that either. So you want to have like a little bit of a a, a space, you know, you don't want it to go too long, Mm -hmm. but you want it to be just enough to where, you know, kind of engages people. But there's other things too. You know, we've had family Olympics. I don't know if you remember those, but like Mm -hmm. we had other families come over, you know, it was families against families, or we would, you could do boys against girls, whatever you want. And Mm -hmm. we would have two or three activities where those people were competing in funny things. Like we had the, we would get like the alphabet, the hard alphabet noodles. The alphabet soup noodles. (laughs) They come in the big, the big box of noodles and you dump them in a bowl, right? Yeah, so two people would go two on two, so one from each group, mm-hmm. and then and then kind of like the like the Jeopardy thing, but this time they two on two, uh, or Family Feud. I'm sorry, Family Feud game where they come up and then they have so much time and they have to they have to find all the letters from A A through Z, and you know then that family scores. Didn't a they point. have to okay. get it with like a toothpick or something too? That was the that was the grape. Where we oh, have a that's right. <laughs> and you put a toothpick in your mouth and you have to stab as many grapes as you can and put it from one bowl to the other. Right. Yes. And you have to like wiggle your head to get it off the toothpick. You couldn't use your hands like your hands were tied behind your back or something. 
Exactly. And these grapes would be rolling everywhere, y'all. Like, this was hilarious. People would squish (laughs) the grapes on the floor. And this is, like, silly stuff. But, I mean, if you think about it, an 8-year-old could do it and an 80-year-old could do it. Because it's not physically strenuous. And it just requires a little bit of, like, hand-mouth or eye-mouth coordination, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Family Olympics. I definitely remember that. And another thing that just came to mind is during summer holidays, so maybe you're not hosting Christmas or Thanksgiving, but maybe you're hosting something in the summer, like the 4th of July or a birthday party or something. I remember you would have us get watermelon seeds and we would have to spit them. Oh, yeah. We did at Labor Day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Seed spitting contest. Yeah. Because everyone usually is still like in around water at that time, whether Uh it's you know, a beach, a pool, or, you know, lakes, people like to be around water, even, you know, sprinklers. And you find just a concrete area, and we would get sidewalk chalk, and then everyone would get a piece of watermelon, and then find a seed, and then everybody would spit the seed, and whoever had the longest spit, basically, (laughs) would win. And the guys would love that one, because the guys really got They would launch those things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then we would, like, mark their seed with your initials with chalk on the concrete. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right, oh, right. That's great. Yeah, and then even like you know, bonfires are great too, and those can be done almost any time of year, except for you know, obviously when it's really, really cold. But yeah. that's always a nice thing too to kind of move away from, you know, a room and kind of have people mill if they want to go somewhere else. And mm-hmm. that's that's the other thing I was going to say is like it's always good to have other things set around, so that way people when they are when there are those moments where they just they're in your home and they want to do something slightly different. Maybe they're not with, you know, you guys as a whole. There's maybe a little table with cards on it or hmm. there's an area of a bonfire where they could go out or there's something that they could do to, you know, have a moment away from the group that they want. They can entertain or they can talk to somebody else that they want to connect with. And yet there's maybe something to do. Mm-hmm. And then there, it's, you know depending on the age group and the and the people that you're with but you want to give them like areas i remember that we would have you know we have like little areas kind of set up like that it's not really obvious it's just kind of like i want to say organic so people who are in your house if they want to go um you know out to the, the patio there's kind of something out there you know um yeah even music cr- out there or like some cards or something yeah cornhole or mm-hmm. you know different things i remember when you oh, guys were we little. should probably say what cornhole is because i think that's an indiana thing i think a lot of p- people that aren't from indiana might call it <laughs> bags or like bean bags it's that it's oh. for anyone who doesn't know what cornhole is because we're, mom we're from indiana like we live in corn so everything you know it makes sense but <laughs> right. people who don't live in the cornfields might not know what we're talking about. So just as a disclaimer, cornhole or bags or whatever, it's like when you have those boards that you would see at like a football tailgate field or something, and it has a little hole in it, and you're tossing a beanbag back and forth, and you're trying to get it onto the board or in the hole, and you're scoring. I think the score goes up to like 21 points, first team to 21 wins. So anyways, that's what we're talking about when we say that. Big that's, time. That's Hoosier talk for you. <laughs> Big at tailgates, too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so that is, you know, those those things outside in the yard or wherever people can do things, you know, a little bit different. And then, you know, when the kids, when you guys were little kid, and kids are coming over, I remember we had like little craft stations, not nothing major, but just like they would decorate their doggy take-home bags. So hmm. whatever, you know, there's, especially like at Thanksgiving, there's all, everybody always gets something to take home, a piece of cake or something. Sure. And so, you know, kids can decorate a little bag and it's just even with crayons or whatever, you have something where they know that they can decorate Hmm. their take home bag. 
I think so that's, that's so, kind of a fun. So good. And it's so creative and simple. Like it doesn't take a bunch of money or a no, ton uh, of effort. But I totally re- appreciate that. And it's made such a difference, I think, because I know what it's like to be at a place where pretty much it's you're solely relying on conversation. And you know, to, as a form of entertainment or maybe like one game or there might be one, but it's just like having the variety of, yeah, there's a game over here. If you and your friend want to pick up cards or grandma and grandpa want to play cards or, you know, but then over here is the bonfire for people to be talking. And then we're going to have like a group game. You know, there's just a variety of things that can happen. And then the kids have a little table or I think that takes the pressure off again because it's offering options rather than you're solely relying on everyone getting along and wanting to talk for what three hours you know or two hours after dinner I mean that's a lot of time to fill and if there's nothing really going on it does you feel I've felt awkward at times where I'm like okay I've now said hello and caught up with anyone here that I might have an interest in talking to and I still have to sit here for 45 minutes uh, to avoid being rude and leaving too early you know and that's uncomfortable and you never want people to feel like that well yeah and and you know the time that you're there it changes so you know everyone at first there's this you know hello and then everybody's excited then there's like uh, you know time to eat and then time to have some dessert but in between is when you can really lift hearts and I mean all of it is good too but there's just some a lot of little in between small moments Mm -hmm. that happen kind of in that in all of that and those are really special moments too yeah um you know and how you bring people together and and how you um you know, the things that you talk about, trivia, trivia questions are always great too. Yeah, let's go. I was going to say like conversation starter. I I think let's like kind of segue there because I love what you're kind of going toward is, okay, yeah, that that conversation is so important. But what do you talk to people about? Because what if it's someone that you're, you wouldn't normally, like they're part of your family or there's someone that you want to catch up with, but you wouldn't, you don't have a lot in common with, or you wouldn't normally talk about how do you get that conversation started? I, I love, I love the idea of trivia questions. What do you mean by that? Let's expand on that. Well, this is always good to do at the, like even at the table too, because, you know, these are simple things, but you can, you have some trivia questions. I mean, there's so many apps now on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you just have two or three in your, in your thoughts, or you even write them out and you have them on the table or however you want to do it. But things that people, you know, can just talk about because conversation can be very varied. And right now, you know, even politically, a lot of people like to talk politics at the dinner table. And sometimes that can be, you know, a charged thing or not. So how mm-hmm. do you keep it light? but yet still meaningful. So you can throw in some, you know, I say serious to light. So some serious things, of course, you know, how are you? How's family go? How's your family? How's your job? Those are kind of more the serious things. But then there's also the real light that have absolutely no significance, but they might even be funny. And that's kind of like those trivia questions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you are working that, you know, conversation, you're going to definitely want to you want to throw in absolutely some, you know, how getting to know what's going on in everybody's lives. But at some point too, you want to definitely have a few light things. And trivia questions are one of the easiest ways besides jokes, of course, but not everybody wants to have a joke is how to make it a light, make the conversation light. Yeah. Um, current events is used to be one of the things that they always told us, oh, I talk current events and current events can be good. But I feel like in today's environment, current events aren't as you know, they seem to be more, less light and more heavy. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more, you know, it's, it's for me, I try to con- just concentrate a little bit more on things that are a little bit what I would call far out. So 
far out is to me is like trivia question, things that people aren't thinking about every day. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of get their mind thinking about something else or even challenge their mind a little to like learn something, you know, even silly questions. You really do learn something. And I think I, I was recently talking to someone about this too. It, the art of having a few conversation starters in your back pocket is really being willing to ask open-ended questions that are focused enough to where someone could really start telling you a story, but not so yep. broad as to like, how are you? Good. You know, it's like, okay. Um, or, well, you could say like, hey, are you reading anything now? What yes. are you reading these days? Right. Or have you done any volunteering? What's your favorite, you know, what have you enjoyed volunteering? Or with? even something or- like, someone, someone recently asked me something like, what have you learned recently in your work? And I think that kind of gets people's gears ticking because then they get to tell you more about what they do or what they're passionate about or what they're learning. And then that will spur on further conversation. But having somewhat of a story conversation like that seems to be kind of effective and it can be start lighthearted. And sometimes that can lead to a deeper conversation or that can, you'll end up learning something about, you know, someone you don't normally think you have something in common with when you ask questions like that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even an older person, like if you ask an older person, you know, hey, how did something about their past, they always appreciate that. How did yeah. you get, you know, this or this? How did, you know, what wisdom? They always, I think older people do like sharing their wisdom. And I think that's a good thing to ask too, you know. Um, and that's more the heavier side. Then you definitely want to have the lighter things in there too. So that's what I'm saying. You don't want it to be 100% heavy. You don't want it to be 100% light. You kind of want to just like your timing, longest to shortest, you want to have biggest to smallest. So, what are some of those things you know that you can that you can consider are more uh you know deeper versus lighter yeah i think it comes back to be prepared to be present like i think we spend so much time preparing the house the food the you know all the things like that and sometimes we forget the preparation for the things that are really the most memorable and that help avoid the awkwardness and that make us feel confident when we have people at our house and so having the variety and preparing a few of the things and thinking a little bit outside the box than just the basics of, well, I need to feed them <laughs> and I need right. to welcome them. And then we sometimes forget all the in-between and the art of the rest of it. So I think that's really good. You also taught me something about self-serve areas. This is kind of jumping back to food, but I think it's really an important little addition. And I think it's a little bit of something that I wouldn't have thought of had you not said it. So can you explain what a self-serve area is and why it's important? Well, yeah, like self-serve is always great for like Two, two areas for sure. If you're going to have any drinks, people want to have their, you know, they might want to make their own drink. That's always great. There's also a dessert, self-serve dessert area is always good. But if you want to do something even more than that, you could do self-serve, like if you're going to have a bonfire, for mm-hmm. example, you could do self-serve fix, fixings for the bonfire, you know, things that you would want them to do. Or there's self-serve, um, just different types of like snacks. So if you have pretzels or peanuts or you know different things or even like a um yeah I don't know just like different little taco bar Mm -hmm. if you're gonna have tacos a great self-serve so or a little side dish of something people really do like the variety to have the choices so you know those are nice too because that gives people a chance to kind of get away and try their own, you know, version of things. And they might even get really creative too. Yeah. It's kind of like a get always for guests. Like it's always there and it's kind of helps, I feel like, take the pressure off of you because it's something that they can meander over and like entertain themselves with for a second. If they're kind of in between conversations or want a snack, it's just something that's you're making available to them. And I think that's a great little tool. <laughs> I think it's a great yeah. little like trick to have just you, I think it's not even something you think of. Like when I've gone and been at people's houses and whatever, I haven't really like thought that deeply about whether or not they have a certain snack option or whatever. But when it's there, 
I actually appreciate it because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go over there and I'm going to grab a handful of M&Ms or whatever. And then I'm going to make my way back and maybe someone will have meandered over by that point and I can start a conversation with them. Or then I'll walk out to the bonfire or whatever. And there's a little bit of intention behind it. And it just shows that you put a little effort into considering the fact that they might want a break from conversation or they might want to, you know, grab a snack three hours after dinner or whatever, depending on how long it is. So I love that. I think that's such such a practical thing to think about that we often don't really think about because we're thinking about the main meal. So well, you know what else that's really good for? That's really good for decoration. So when you're like, oh, I don't know how to decorate my house, self-serve areas are a great little, they're really like double, yeah. they double as decorations. Hmm. They kind of do. So, you know, you don't have to, if you don't have like a big budget for decorating or you don't really know how to decorate well, or you don't really want, have the time, a self-serve area is kind of like a self-decoration. It, it serves as both. Yeah. Cause you put a little tablecloth on the table and maybe some cute bowls and you're done. <laughs> right. You exactly. That's awesome. I love it. That's so practical and helpful. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. Each week, there's a 20-minute meal plan on the classic menu for when you really don't have more time than that. Enjoy not having to plan dinner, spend money on takeout for an easy night, or worry about gathering ingredients week after week. All the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. There are lots of one-pot recipes for seriously speedy cooking and minimal cleanup. Yes, please. Get delicious, filling meals delivered right to your door every week for less than $10 per serving and free shipping. My husband and I recently tried this out and we loved it. We are hooked on HelloFresh. For a total of $60 off, that's 20 bucks off your first three boxes, visit HelloFresh.com slash She60 and enter the promo code She60. That's like receiving six meals for free or up to 50% off of three boxes. So go to HelloFresh.com slash She60 and enter the code She60 to get your first three boxes. Do you have any other like miscellaneous tips or things that you might say, things that you've shared with me? I know I could probably think of a few that you've shared, but I want to let you share them. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So we're pet lovers. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we have, you know, two dogs, as you know, and um, we love our dogs and, you know, they're like little parts of the family, but when people come into your home, you realize not everybody feels the same way about your pets as you do. So you want to be careful and mindful of that. You want to just say, okay, when the, you know, if, if you have a dog that tends to, when they're happy and they love people, and they just want to lick them and jump on them. Uh, you want to like probably have them not at the door. <laughs> yeah. You know, our dog likes to do that. And sometimes he likes to lick people's feet, which I don't know why it's kind of weird. Yeah. When they're eating. <laughs> So we, we like, okay, we have to put him away. Um, even though he's, you know, we love him. Not everybody's going to feel that same way. So when people come, you know, we try to put, put their animals away. Be thinking about that. If you've got, you know, a cat and the cat, you know, kind of has a rule of the house, but when people come over, they may not want to have some cat hair, you know, um, in, in certain and some areas. people so are uncomfortable see- seeing cats like on countertops. Some people are totally cool with their cat walking all over where people eat. But if people see that, you know, cats walking in the back of the couch and jumping onto the table, it can make some people who aren't such animal lovers super uncomfortable and not want to eat. <laughs> right. Or they're, or they're allergic too. That's yeah, your thing. You that's know, my you got to be mindful that some people, yeah, some people have allergies. So, you know, just, just kind of, that's the thing too. If you, if, you know, kind of thinking about your pets and the hard thing is to you, they're like your family members. So, you know, you 
you, you don't see much, you're like, well, I don't understand. You know, you don't think about it, but you really kind of have to be more mindful of, okay, when you have a gathering, got to put the cats, dogs, um, you know, put them in an area where they're, they're going to be, you know, out maybe the t- after the celebration or later in the celebration, mm-hmm. you know, that they come out, but maybe sort of be thinking about, and you know, your, your animal's personality. So I think the last one is the decorations for me. You know, I used to, um, before Pinterest, we had all those magazines. And so, you know, you go out and you look at ideas and you, and, and there's so many cute things out there. And I, I think a really good centerpiece at your table is probably like, if you have to think, what are all the decorations I could do? A centerpiece is really the nicest. It's kind of it's a good a staple. Point. A good staple. <laughs> it's, it's a staple that's simple and doesn't really take a ton of extra thought <laughs> or exactly. funds or anything like that. Right. That, a few candles, some good music, and then, you know, your decorations should be to to impact, not to impress. Hmm, I love that. So, yeah. So, like, a lot of times, and I learned that the hard way. <laughs> so, you know, I wanted it to be impressive, and then, then, you know, something happened to it, and it wasn't that impressive. But, you know, <laughs> I think, honestly, just impactful. So, you know, if, if it's, even if it's like Christmas, you know, something to help you get back to the reason for the season. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. can be your main, you don't need a lot of other things, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I think sometimes we get, we don't know how much we should have and we really don't need that much. Mm. I think that's kind of, when you have really good company and your hearts are being lifted and you feel like you had a, you know, a full belly, you know, a decent meal. You don't really need that much decoration, you yeah. know? Plus, it's you end up just putting it in a box anyway. Is <laughs> what I often get so frustrated yeah. by. I'm like, gosh, I went and I spent all this time trying to figure all this stuff out. And it was out for like eight hours. <laughs> yeah. And then that's it. And now we got to wait a year, you know? So it's not bad <laughs> to have those things. But I think another thing you taught me when it comes to decor was to allow yourself to accumulate it a little bit over time instead of trying to feel like you have to have your, like when I was hosting my first Christmas, we had some cute pieces out. You know, there were a couple things. I had my manger displayed. I had a little bit of lights. Yeah, we had our tree. Cu- you had a cute manger. That manger was really cute. Yeah. Hobby Lobby. Thanks, Hobby Lobby. <laughs> um, and a little centerpiece. And that was pretty much it. And I oft- I kind of felt like, gosh, I feel like we should do something over here. You know, I had all these other ideas and you were like, okay, but that's priority number 20, and you need to focus on priorities one, two, and three. And it actually yeah, like gave me a lot of— your, having your grill built. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, yeah, our grill wasn't built. No, 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 that was Father's Day. Let's not bring oh, yeah, that yeah. memory back up. <laughs> the poor guys had to build the Have grill. the grill for... built before people come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can actually prepare your food. I think we waited, what, like yeah. four hours to actually eat. I almost went and got takeout. But anyways, the point oh, That is... was funny. <laughs> The point is, I loved how you shared, and you just kind of reminded me, allow yourself to accumulate those decorations over time because the majority of the time they're going to collect dust and they're not actually going to be used. And so, again, you want to have those things, but you also want to have them with intention. Like some of the decorations I have grandma has given me and you've given me and some I've gotten on my own, but the whole idea of impact, it kind of tells a story and the things that you accumulate slightly over time. And, oh, I got this ornament when we went to this place and it was our first family vacation, you know, together as a newlywed couple or there's memories built into those things. And so if you're Mm -hmm. just decorating to impress and you want it to look like a magazine, there's nothing wrong with, you know, having a few pieces like that. But you reminding me to allow yourself to accumulate those things over time versus trying to get everything in the first couple years. And then now you just have this giant box of stuff and you kind of max out because how many Christmas decorations can a girl really have? You know, I mean, yeah, that's another conversation. But anyways, it was like, oh yeah, it kind of like helped me be intentional about maybe every year get like maybe two new things, you know, or whatever versus feeling like, oh my gosh, I need to have this exquisite 
display. It's, no, what's the impact it gets to make? When someone asks about that centerpiece or that wreath or that thing, you actually say, actually, that was my grandmother's. You know, it kind of actually tells more of a story. And there that allows for more conversation. And then they might say, oh, my grandma gave me something. And then all of a sudden connection, you know. Um, so oh, yeah. I think I love Especially the idea. Yeah, I love the idea of decorate to impact or tell a story more than just to impress because then it's just kind of empty and it's going to go in a box anyway. Well, you know, that's funny because even like at Christmas, I used to stress out putting all these lights all over the house mm-hmm. and then, you know, you get it really nice and then they burn out. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and then you think, oh my gosh, I got to replace that. And then you try to replace it and you kept to find where it burned out. And after you do that a couple of years, you think, wow, you know, why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah, I, I need to have a hobby. No. <laughs> Get me a life outside these Christmas lights. Yes. Right. This is, <laughs> this is self-sabotage. <laughs> oh, it is. So I, I finally said, okay, I don't, I'm just trying to impress mm. and not being impactful mm-hmm. about what's really impacting my family mm-hmm. and what's really impacting the people who come to, are they really going to go, oh, yeah. I mean, yes, it's welcoming to have a lot of lights, mm-hmm. welcoming, but you know. They rethinking, does it cause me a lot of stress? It wasn't lightning by yeah. heart, let me tell well, you. Well, and I think, like, okay, let's go with this analogy for about four seconds, and then we can kind of wrap up. But even the idea of when you're so stressed out about how the lights look, you kind of fail to be a light and see people where they are. You fail to exactly. be a light presence. You fail to be a light in people's lives. Like you said, people are coming from all different walks, even just your family. The stress of maybe dealing with a parent that's sick or a stressful job or, you know, a frustrating season in their school life, wherever they are in life. And so it kind of robs your ability to be a light in your own house and within your group of people when you're so caught up in how something looks and or how you look. You know, that's one thing that I'm also like, well, I want to look cute when people come over, you know, and nobody else really cares <laughs> yeah. that much about that. And I have to always remind myself of that. And so there's an element of like effort and intentionality to put into it. But I think mm-hmm. in doing so, it can be something, especially as young women, you know, at least in my first few years of marriage, that can feel like it's such a pressure point because you want to prove, oh, I'm a good wife. Like I'm a good or I'm a good homemaker or I'm a good hostess or whatever, fill in the blank, you know. And my friend and I were recently talking about this. Like we're really just kind of toddlers at this whole thing. Like this is new. Even if even if you're not necessarily in your, you know, super young years of marriage or whatever, if you're just beginning to host more frequently or desiring to do that, it's a skill that takes time. And like you said, in the beginning, you had to just cater it and stick it in bowls. But the point was to just start learning what's it like to have people at your house. Because if you think about it, hosting is multidimensional. It's learning the skills of preparing Mm -hmm. food and, you know, displaying food and and serving food and then communicating and entertaining and welcoming and prepare. I mean, there's so many elements to it. We think like, oh, just because we have a house, it should be like this innate understanding that we have. And I think that's a lie that puts a lot of pressure and stress on us. It's true. And Especially the magazines tell you that too. Right. Make your house really cute. You know, I was going to say, you're, you're exactly right on all those counts. It takes time and it takes, you know, you can't, you can't put pressure on yourself to be mm-hmm. good at it the first time you do it, the first 10 times you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're just going to get better and better. But yeah. what I was going to say is, you know, with those Christmas lights, I decided instead of putting so much lights out, I was going to be a light. Mm-hmm. And one of the best ways to be a light is when someone walks in the door, you give them a hug. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they're coming from different places and a hug immediately kind of changes, it kind of shifts the load from just them carrying it to you carrying it with them. And And it seems so basic, but I think we can forget that because we're so caught up in everything we have to do that we forget to be. (laughs) Right. Mm, Right. Yeah. So 
So that's the key is, you know, to take the stress off yourself, give yourself time to kind of learn it. It's going to take time. It's okay if you have self-serve things. You don't have to have everything, you know, and in, in, in have the... Plated it's not and a performance. Perfect. Right. Yeah. It's not a performance or production. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing I had to learn too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just yeah. those types of things... You know, it's just about lifting hearts. And if you can remember that, I think as a biggest takeaway, then a lot of it will come naturally, you know, as as you put things together. Yeah. Mom, thanks so much for your insight. I just love how both you just bring so much practicality to it and you simplify it for me. And so I hope well, you're welcome. that all of our <laughs> listeners feel that, okay, if there's any stress around the holidays in any regard that, or even just in any hosting situation that you just feel like, you know what? Okay. Maybe this isn't as complicated as it seems when I look at everything on the internet <laughs> or everything in the magazine. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for your insight and um, just wisdom on that and encouragement. I think it really does help us take the pressure of ourselves off of ourselves and really be more present and prepare for what matters most. You're the best. Oh, I love you. You're welcome. I can't wait to celebrate with you. <laughs> Me too. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mama. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. This show is a part of the Lasting Media Network and produced by John Fender, Jason Barrett, and Jonas Litton with the help of Jackson Willis. Visit lastingmediagroup.com to learn more. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less.